Good morning, welcome everyone. It's a glorious, beautiful day. This is uh, class 83 of the Vedanta Treatise. We're starting chapter 21, That Thou Art. Does anyone have any questions from any of the previous classes? Okay. So some of you who have been with us some time now uh, may have noticed that this knowledge, it penetrates you deep inside. You're not even aware of it. Even though you only maybe come to a few uh, Sunday morning classes, you may not be doing any studies, but still, it still has an effect on you. It manifests in a change in the way you think this knowledge. And when you change your thinking, it changes your outlook to life. You look at the world differently. And this then changes your attitude to life, the way you behave. Some of you may have experienced this. Yeah, agree, disagree? Agree. Agree, yeah. If it hasn't, it doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. So we're beginning this last chapter of this book, Vedanta Treatises, which understandably is the subtlest. It gives the conclusion to this knowledge, the highest truths of life. Everything we have studied so far is so that we can absorb and understand this last chapter. It's a preparation so you can understand this last chapter. Tattvamasi, that thou art. What does that mean, anyone? That thou art. This is the truth of life. That means Brahman. Thou, yourself. And art means are. You are Brahman. You are God. This whole philosophy is for you to understand just this one sentence. Tatvamasi. Life's mission is to understand this and attain this. You are not the waker which you think you are right now or the dreamer that you were last night, or the deep sleeper. Beyond this is your real self. So what's stopping us to get to this state? Anyone? Just 
What's stopping us to understand this? Tatvamasi. I am God. What's stopping us? Any idea? We don't have the qualities, right, at the present moment. Not the qualities, okay. Specifically what? Yes, you're right, you don't have the qualities. Um, but even if you have the qualities, that doesn't necessarily mean you will get there. Even if you have the qualities. Right now, you understand that, that from a sea, I am God. But you understand it. But that doesn't mean you believe it. What's stopping you from getting there? We still haven't completed our desires. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, Deepa, what were you going to say, Deepa? Same. I was, uh, I was going to say it's our vastness that is stopping us from Your vastness. realizing that we are Brahman. Absolutely. What else, Dharmesh? Faith. Faith. You have faith now. You've been to 83 classes. You must have a little faith now. But you must have complete faith. Complete. You have complete faith. Okay, I am Brahman. I believe it. Aniket is telling me I am Brahman. It says so in Upanishads. I am Brahman. I have faith. 100% I am Brahman. But still, what's stopping you? Because if you have that, you are self-realized. Arunavan. I think we get too pulled into the real world uh, yeah. and not enough with the self. So we're identifying with the external all the time with the pulls that we that naturally happen. And we just forget, you know, that we actually, our whole purpose is to be identifying with the real self all the time. Absolutely right. There's one word I'm looking for. Kevin? Attachment. Yes, absolutely. Our attachment to the world. Our mind's attachment to the world. If we were attached to the self, then it's a different story. But we're not. We're attached to the world. You, you understand, Dharmesh? You have faith. But the attachment to the world keeps you away from that. We attach to everything in the world. Our focus, our, all our focus is on the world. We don't know anything else. We are stuck to the world. So we can't think of the other side. Therefore, we can't get to the other side, which is to the self. So this knowledge helps us to move our focus from the world to the self. How? By strengthening the intellect, providing knowledge, which then helps shift the mind, mind's focus from the world to the self. This is what we're trying to do. We gain this knowledge. We're now thinking for one morning a week on the self. Before we weren't thinking at all. We're now thinking at least one hour a week on the self. So this knowledge helps us to move our focus from the world to the self. Strengthen the intellect, 
provide knowledge, which then helps shift the mind's focus. And it's not easy. I'm gonna not lie to you, it is not easy. It is very difficult. Because of our strong attachment to the world. We're attached to everything. Attached to our physical body, to the mind, attached to the mind's emotions, to the intellect. Attached to our family, our children, partner, parents, our home. Attached to our possessions, our work, business, our wealth. Everything we create and we get attached to it. Mind's attachment to religion. I am Muslim, Christian, Hindu. All the fighting, which has nothing to do with spirituality. So even religions, which are supposed to take us out of this world, keeps us in it because of our attachment to the religions themselves. So it's a losing battle. That's why it's difficult. It takes a lot of effort. Even when people pray, they're asking for worldly things. They even get more attached to these things. So this attachment keeps the mind in the world. And the stronger the attachment, the harder it is to shift our focus to the self. Even coming to these classes, a lot of people joined during lockdown. The mind was relatively free from the normal attachments to work and business. You had no choice. You couldn't go to work. So you're free to come to these classes. Otherwise, some of you would not be here yet. That attachment would have been too strong. So in this last chapter, what we're going to learn is the highest spiritual truths known to man. It's the foundation of all religions. But unfortunately, even religions have forgotten these truths. Any questions? People agree, disagree? Anyone believe that attachment isn't the cause? Need more faith maybe or so even if you have more faith, Damesh, it's still a battle to release yourself from that attachment. Faith alone won't allow you to detach yourself. Takes a lot of effort and hard work. Ravi. When I, when I first started this, I think I, I found it difficult to understand attachment and how to release it. And I confused it with, um, and, I, and I found it quite when it was clarified, is that you have attachment, which is your own attached to material things, and distinguishing that from your obligations. And once I overcome that, it allowed me to start detaching myself from certain aspects. Attachment means not being affected by 
anything and everything that happens around you. Being mentally free. And when you understand that this world is an illusion and only the self, Brahman, is the reality, the more you, the more you understand that, the easier it is to detach yourself. But this is where the effort comes in. Learning, understanding that. And you have to put a lot of effort in. Because the, the world is just pulling us all. That's why these great sages go into the mountains where there's no one there, nothing to draw their minds attention to. So we come to today's chapter. The four aphorisms. There are four Vedas. Rig Veda, Sama Veda, Atharvana Veda and Yajur Veda. These are the four Vedas, which is the foundation of most religions. And this is what um, these four aphorisms come from. Ravi. The four aphorisms. The videos have distinguished as the former spiritual texts from time immemorial. immemorial. They contain the perennial philosophy of Vedanta, which has been indoctrinated in ancient in India through four aphorisms known as Mahavakya. Mahavakya literally means great statements, supreme declarations. They appear one in each of the four vidyas as follows. Pragnama Brahma, Brahma is consciousness. Tatvam Asi, thou art, that thou art. Ayam Atma Brahma, this self is Brahman. Aham Brahman Asmi, I am Brahman. So the four Vedas each contain the philosophy of Vedanta. So these four Mahavakya statements are in each of the Vedas. So what is a Veda? Does anybody know what a Veda is? It's four Vedas. Anybody have an idea? Veda? So a Veda, for example, um, Rig Veda is made up of prayers, rituals, hymns, bhajans, and end of each Veda is the philosophy, which is known as the Upanishad, Vedanta. But that's why Vedanta means end of knowledge, it's at the end portion of the Veda. So most religions are based on part of the Vedas. The knowledge is given out in terms of four aphorisms, Mahavakyas. Each one appears in the four Vedas, as I said. Aphorism means short sentence, a sentence that has a greater meaning. Another word is a saying, for example. Example, we say, all that glitters is not gold, is an aphorism. But it means a great deal more than just that statement. You're with me. 
So Mahabakya means great statement. Each Veda is making a statement. Pragnanam Brahma. First statement. Brahman is consciousness. Tattvamasi. That thou art. Ayam Atma Brahma. This self is Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi. I am Brahman. Yeah. Any questions? So we're just going to briefly study each statement, each Mahavakya, and what it means. Yeah. Anybody don't understand, please raise your hand. Ravi. The first aphorism, Pragnamam Brahma, Brahman is consciousness, appears in Atarya Upanishad in the Rig Veda. This aphorism makes a general declaration that Brahman, the supreme reality, is consciousness. The one homogeneous homogeneous consciousness that pervades everywhere. That which functions in the macro macrocosm and in the microcosm. The common substrum of the world and the individual. If the consciousness pervading the world is likened to total space, then the consciousness in the individual would be the space in a pot. But the space in a pot cannot be segregated from total space. The material of the pot cannot divide space. Space may be referred to as pot space, room space, open space, etc. All these spaces are one and the same. Space as such is homogeneous, indivisible, called differently for convenient reference. Likewise, consciousness is referred to differently depending on its heterogeneous embodiments. Though it remains ever homogeneous, the first aphorism pronounce its homogenate. It is known as Lakshana Vakya, which means statement of definition. So don't worry too much about the long with the words. I'll explain what it means. Four statements, one in each Veda. So this Pragnanam Brahma, Brahman is consciousness, is a statement of fact. It's making a factual statement, which is saying everything is Brahman. Brahman is consciousness. It is everywhere, in everything. It's one, homogeneous. It's indivisible. This is what it's saying. One pure consciousness. Then it goes on further to say, it is the substratum, foundation of the world and everything in it. It may be called with different names. That's only for reference but there is only one. And it gives an example. If Brahman is compared to space, space all around us, then it can be said, it is total space. And in a person, it can be said, it, is this, it can be compared to a pot space, space in a pot. You have a pot, you can say that is pot space. 
but a bit of clay cannot separate total space. You have a house, you divide the total space into a bedroom, study, living room, but it is all one space. All these different spaces, just one space. But we call it something different just to make it easier for us. This is my bedroom, this is the kitchen. We condition the space. Space is not divisible. Does that make sense? Kevin? There is only one space, just as there is only one consciousness. Another example is electricity. Electricity is one, but different manifestations has different names. In a fan, it cools. In a heater, it heats, but electricity is one. So similarly, there's only one consciousness, but we may refer to it with different names, Atman in an individual for our own understanding. So it's easier for us to understand and comprehend. So this first aphorism statement is a statement of fact, definition, which states that Brahman is one. Any questions? Does everyone have some idea? Yeah, Kevo. I was just going to say, so we're saying that each of the Vedas um, are proclaiming these statements, one each. So I don't see anywhere which Veda is actually referring to the statement. So is this like part of which Veda that's making the so statement? It says the first one is in the Rig Veda. Ah, sorry, I missed that. Yep. Pragnanam Brahma, Brahman is consciousness, is in the Atheria Upanishad in the Rig Veda. So Rig Veda is complete Veda with many different aspects. But at the end is the Upanishad, and there are many Upanishads, by the way. So therefore, it's saying the Aitareya Upanishad in the Rig Veda is saying the statement. Okay. I think there's over 200 Upanishads. Okay, so is, are we saying that the entire Veda is all focusing on this one statement, right? No, this one Veda is... Look, ultimately, all the Vedas are saying the same thing. Yeah, but each Veda is specifically saying, this particular one is saying that Brahman is consciousness. Is making a statement. Brahman is consciousness. Okay. Yeah, you'll give you a better idea once we get through all of them. Yeah. Any other questions? Okay. So. There's only one consciousness, cannot be divisible. But we divide it and we call it different names for our own understanding. Okay, so. Second statement. The second aphorism. Sorry, one minute. I don't know. I think just, so is it a case of there are four Vedas, mm -hmm. and we happen to be studying these four Upanishads, which are statements at the end of a Veda, but then it's like um, like an advice or something at the end. Yeah. Is that so, the season? so how to understand it is there's four, there's four Vedas that make up all the not foundation of all, all religions, basically. But just take our Hindu religion. It's the, the foundation is the four Vedas. 
each Veda is made up of different aspects of what we call spirituality. Prayers, bhajans, rituals, all sorts of things are there. But at the end is the philosophical knowledge, which is what we're studying. And that philosophical knowledge is made up of Upanishads. And we've yeah. chosen four of no. them. No, yeah. we're just saying that these four Vedas have these four statements. There may be more than one Upanishad for each Veda. Yeah. There, there are over 200 Upanishads, so split between the four Vedas. So there may be many, many different. Yeah. But all the, all the Upanishads are saying the same thing. They're explaining what Brahman is in various different ways. Mm. It's written by a different self-realized souls and they're saying the same thing. Okay. Is that okay? Yeah. Thank you. So the Rig Veda is making a statement that Brahman is consciousness. That's it. Okay, Ravi. The second aphorism, Tattva Masi, that thou art, appears in Chandi Yoga Upishad in the Samaveda. It declares you are pure consciousness. That, that refers to the consciousness, the supreme reality. Brahman, Vam, Tao, to the innermost self, Atman, the core of your personality. Asi, art establishes the oneness of the all-pervading consciousness and yourself. Brahman and Atman are one with the same. The consciousness is like the ocean, an individual like a wave. The water in the wave and the ocean is the same. Beings would be waves with distinct individuality. The consciousness in every being is the same, all-pervading consciousness. Yourself is the infinite reality that thou art. This aphorism is in the form of an advice to a spiritual seeker. Hence, it is known as Upidsha Vakya, statement of advice. So what he's saying is, this statement appears in the Chandogya Upanishad, in the Sama Veda. Remember we said there's four Vedas, Rig, Sama, Aturvena, and there's a fourth one. So in the Sama Veda, in the Chandanognya Upanishad, which is one of the Upanishads in the back of the Veda, which has the philosophy, it states, advice to the seeker to say that thou art. You are conscious, you are pure consciousness, Brahman. So the first one said, Brahman is consciousness. The second statement in saying that thou art, you are this pure consciousness. You are Brahman. Now, not to discourage any of you in any way, but when I say we're touching the tip of the iceberg, yeah, Chandogya Upanishad, which states this, is this book here, <laughs> which is made up about 600 pages. <laughs> uh, we're just covering to say that this is what this book says. So you can understand how it, Studying yet to do to understand and absorb that, the depth of it. Like I said, I don't discourage you, but 
this is these one statements how much studying you have to do to understand that one statement you cannot get it otherwise you'll have a brief idea but you don't get it get it if you know what i mean yeah that thou art statement of advice you are pure consciousness Brahman. so this statement that thou art confirms that the Atman in the individual and Brahman are one. They are the same. There is no difference. You cannot separate it. So the first statement said Brahman is consciousness. The second one said you are Brahman. And it's given an example. One minute. If the ocean is pure consciousness, then all of us are like different waves. Each wave is different. Some waves are small, some are big. Some waves, they're all different sizes, different shapes. Some are white, some are blue, some are brown. Some have foam, some do not. Each wave has a different individuality but it is all water from that one ocean comes from the ocean and goes back into the ocean so similarly there's only one consciousness like there is only one ocean but billions of individuals with different personalities just like different waves that's us So this aphorism is advice to one on the spiritual path that you are Brahman, the self is Brahman. Tanish, you had a question. So just going back to the way we are. So we have the self in us, we have desires, and we have the mind which migrates or that energy that migrates every time to the new body. So, but the desires are Brahman as well. Desires are Brahman what? Desires. Yeah. Consciousness as well, aren't they? Yeah. Part of the same thing. Yeah. So to get rid of them, yeah. it's like trying to get rid of the, the sea. You can't. It's, it's part of the waves. Part of the energy. So what are you saying? Why spend all that energy trying to get rid of your desires when it's part of us and it's part of the sea, part of the waves? Am I misunderstanding something? You're saying let's accept it as it is then. That's what you're saying, isn't it? Well, why do I try and get rid of something if it's a natural order? Is it a natural order? It is. You've taken on this body, mind, and intellect. But, but who, who gave me that mind? Into it's Brahman, isn't it? All aspects of my life are Brahman. The world is Brahman. My desires are Brahman. Brahman doesn't have desires, by the way. Brahman made my desires. It's acting out my desires. It gave me the energy for the desires. As you said, everything comes from Brahman. So all my thoughts come from Brahman. 
good or bad? This is where the statement is incorrect. Okay. So maybe that's where I need understanding. Does anyone, uh, can anyone help Kermesh understand what he's trying to say? Everything is Brahman, I am Brahman, I can do whatever I want because it's all Brahman. Brahman made me, therefore. Yeah, Gil? I think maybe Dharmesh, you're missing or maybe forgotten the fact that we have free will. Because if we Absolutely. don't, yeah, because if we, if we say that, then it means we don't have free will, right? To make our own choices. See, absolutely right, Kevin. Anybody else want to add anything to that? Dharmesh is correct in asking this question, by the way. Anybody but, else? Can... I, mean, I think I've, I've had those thoughts, like, multiple times, like, you know, like, as you... As you think about this more and more, like you, you sometimes get to that point where you find sometimes maybe I am fighting a losing battle, right? Because everything's just been given to us by Brahman, then what, what, what's the point, right? But yeah, I think maybe you just think about it a bit more. Free will. We've been given free will to behave how we want to behave and try and be a better human being. See, otherwise, I, you can murder someone and say, well, I didn't do it. Brahman made me do it. You try that. You tried that defense in court. They'll say yes, but you had a choice to kill or not to kill. Brahman gave you that choice as well. Yeah, Kevin. I have a good example that uh, I was once told. It's um, it's a a gun, right? So if we give a gun to someone in the army and a country's under attack and we tell the army go and kill people those people those those uh, warriors in the army or soldiers in the army when they come back we would award them with like you know awards and uh, valor and all of those kind of things right that same gun you give it to someone who's, who who's who's a murderer and he goes and kills someone this action is the same but we, we would jail that person, right? Because they, they're taking someone's life. But really? I guess it's the free will that's involved in making the choices and doing it for the right reasons. So, Dharmesh, you're absolutely right asking that question. So then what is life about then? I'll ask you, what is life all about then? What's the purpose of life? Because if we're just saying let's accept how it is and just be done with it, then what's the purpose of life? This is the whole million dollar question everyone is asking. What is the purpose of life? Isn't it, Dharmesh? What's the purpose of life? To act out our desires or to stop our desires, which we've been given. So let me ask you a question then. Before you came to these classes, did you have any idea about the fact that you are made of desires, mind, intellect, and um, your goal was to act out your desires, et cetera, et cetera? No, I didn't know what it was called, but we so, knew, I knew that I was here for a purpose. What a purpose was, I didn't know. Acting on your desires, you've now understood that is your purpose, which is great. 
Now, if you believe what they've said, that that is your purpose, then you have to have that faith that you're talking about to expound, expand on that, to say, let me listen to what else they're saying. And they're saying that my goal is to become one with Brahman and reduce all my desires, eliminate them, because this isn't my purpose. My purpose is to become one with Brahman, find out who I am. So you need that faith to increase your understanding. You've understood the first aspect, which is brilliant. Congratulations. But you now have to have that faith to say, well, what else are they saying? If this is right, then this end that we're talking about, Brahman is consciousness. You are Brahman. I must have faith that that must be correct as well then. Is that okay, Tamash? Yeah. So thank you. No, it's just that the more we, the more we listen, the more we think about things, the more time, you, know, you don't think about it, but when the, like afterwards, maybe a month or three months later, you think more on the topic. Questions will arise. And you're absolutely right to ask this question. I'm glad you did. Hmm. Yeah. Because this is how it is. We don't know. You know, from the, st the studies that we have done, we've come to 83 classes of this book. Yeah, that's just to ignite that passion within us. To say, Let's, this sounds interesting. This sounds as if it could be some truth in this. Let me explore this idea. And then you want to understand this particular definition. You reach the Chandogya Upanishad. You understand this statement perfectly. You, you see? So there is a lot to understand still. We're all on that path of self-discovery. Any other questions? Is that okay, Ronabin? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing that actually we're on this journey and the path of self-discovery and the self-realization. And that seems to be, uh, and if we, whilst we know that we, should, we are Brahman and all of us on paper, we haven't yet quite got there, and that seems to be the purpose of getting there. Absolutely. Let's finish the other two, and then we'll have a more, because we've only reached the two, first two. Brahman is consciousness, and you are Brahman. So let's see what else they got to say. How do you practice this? Next one. The third aphorism, Ayam Atma Brahman, is this self is Brahman, is in the Madhya Upanishad in the Arvana Veda. Ayam means this. Atma is your supreme self within. The aphorism states that the Atman, self in you, is Brahman, pervading everywhere. If Brahman is likened to a conflagration, then the individual would be a spark arising from it. Conflagration is fire, so is spark. Both are the element fire. Spark is conflagration, so are you the supreme consciousness, yourself. Atman is Brahman. Remember this truth at all times. Repeat it to yourself. Entertain this thought until you realize yourself to be Brahman. Hence this aphorism is known as Abhyasa Bhakya, statement of practice. So this, 
third aphorism, how to practice this advice. Once again, the first statement said, Brahman is consciousness. Second statement said, Tatvamasi, you are this consciousness. But we don't realize this. We don't understand this. So how do you practice this advice? The self is Brahman. Statement of practice. It's in the Mundakya Upanishad. And that's a long Upanishad. We study it as part of our course. Four months, five months. It takes... I forget how many lectures there are on, on that, but just for that one Upanishad to understand. This statement confirms that the Atman self in us is Brahman. That one Brahman that is all pervading. So example is given, if Brahman is fire, then the sparks that come out of the fire would be an individual. Both the spark and the fire is one. It is the same. There, it is all fire. But there's a, there's a difference. The spark is a different from the fire. But it's all fire. So this aphorism is advising us how to practice this. We must remember this and repeat this truth all the time. I am Atma Brahma. This self within me is Brahman. You must remember this, repeat this truth all the time. Do not forget this until you realize this truth. That the self in me is Brahman. So, what it's trying to say is, it's just an awareness. Something you need to remember that I am Atman Brahman, the self. While, while you're working, while you're at home, whatever you're doing, keep it in, your, in the back of your mind. I am Brahman. I am not this body, mind, and intellect. I am pure consciousness, Brahman. What happens? One part of your mind is on that statement. I am Brahman. You think, if, you, if we think about this, if we understand this statement, remember it in our daily life, in all situations, helps us to deal with all of life's problems. All these four statements, if you remember them, I'm not this individual. I am the self, Brahman, God. Nothing will bother you. I'm not this body, mind, and intellect. Nothing will bother you in life. You're not affected by anything. And even if you are, it's temporary. Life becomes fun. Life becomes a joy to live. Just remembering this. I'm not this body, mind, intellect. I am Brahman, the self. The self in me is Brahman. That's the third statement. How to practice this statement. An awareness. I am Brahman. Any questions? You need to, as I said, study this yourself until it becomes part of you. So the last, last statement is the experience of Brahman. Aham Brahmasmi, I am Brahman. 
I am God. You now experience this, which means state of self-realization. So you followed the, the three statements and now you reach that last statement where you experience Brahman. The last aphorism, Aham Brahma Asmi, I am Brahman, appears in the Brihadarian Yaka Upishad in the Yahur Vidya. Aham means I, Asmi means am, and Brahman is God. So the aphorism means I am God. It is the ultimate pronouncement of a self-realized person. Prior to self-realization, you use the first person singular pronoun, I, to mean the waker, dreamer, or deep sleeper. You believe yourself to be the waker as long as you remain in the waking state of consciousness and declare I am the person in the waking, waking state. When you enter the dream state of consciousness, you assume the personality of the dreamer. You declare, I am, sorry. You declare, I am the person in the waking state. When you enter the dream state of consciousness, you assume the personality of the dreamer. You declare, I am the person in the dream and in deep sleep, I am the person in sleep. Ironically, you use I in all the three states though you assume three distinct personalities. In truth, the I that you pronounce is your real self. In the three states, your self is conditioned by your gross, subtle and causal bodies, respectively, and the conditioned self expresses as the waker, dreamer and deep sleeper. The philosophy of Vedanta helps you to get over the conditioning. Applying this knowledge in your life, transcend the limitation imposed by your material bodies, exp expose your Supreme Self, reveal the nascent I, the pure, unconditioned, native I is God. My real self is God. That is the ultimate experience of self-realization, hence known as Anubhavan statement of experience what this paragraph is saying is that it's a statement of experience as you said you experience self-realization you experience this I and Brahman being one so what stops you from understanding this believing this anyone what stops you from believing this we said attachment our conditioning, our conditioning, which makes us the person we are right now. What it's saying is that you are not this person. You're not this person, Ravi Patel, Sheila Patel, Benita. So no, you are God, Brahman, the self. But you don't realize that throughout life, unconsciously, you use this term I in all aspects of your life. I am tall. I am short, I am an Indian, I'm an Englishman, I'm a Hindu, I'm a Christian, I'm a Catholic, I am a waker, dreamer, I'm a deep sleeper. 
we use this term I in all states of consciousness without realizing that actually our true personality is this I and not the conditioning that we're attaching to it. I is conditioned by our body, mind, intellect. I is conditioned by our vasanas. I is conditioned by everything. And we blatantly use this term I without understanding what it means. It's like throughout life we drink Pepsi, Fanta, 7-Up. We have never tasted water. These three drinks are pure water conditioned by flavor to create different flavor drinks. But its true personality is water. Take away the flavoring, they are all water. Flavoring is conditioning the water. So the knowledge of Vedanta helps us to remove the conditioning and understand that we are not the conditioned consciousness that we believe ourselves to be. That the I we use in life, as I am the waker, dreamer, deep sleeper, is actually our real personality. The unconditioned consciousness, the self. You are the I, not what you think you are. This is what he's saying. So this knowledge of Vedanta helps us to reveal the I, to help get over the conditioning, to ultimately realize that we are God. And this is the experience of self-realization, the highest experience. So this aphorism is a statement of experience, saying this is the final experience of your life, the goal of life. Any questions? So we said it's going to be subtle. Any questions? So the Bhagavad Gita and its 18 chapters, 700 verses, the, the message in there is this aphorism. So explain this one aphorism, that thou art, you are God. This is the power of one, this one statement. You need the whole of Bhagavad Gita to help you understand this statement. Krishna is telling Arjuna, you are not this person that you think you are. These uncles and your cousins, they are not who they think you think they are. Everything is the self. Everything is Brahman. You cannot kill Brahman. So he uses 700 verses to explain to Arjuna, do your duty. Don't worry about it. Ravi. The Bhagavad Gita expounds the aphorism, that thou art. Its 18 chapters can be divided into three sets of six chapters each. The first set relates to Tao. The middle set deals with that. The last set with art. So the profound philosophy of the Gita expounds the aphorism. Such is the power and grandeur of the aphorisms. The aphorisms pronounce that there is 
but one supreme reality. That reality you are. Realize that. The world is a mere passing phenomenon, a variety show, with no pith or substance. Yet you are lost in this empty show. The ignorance of yourself has caused it all. No more, no more of that ignorance. Regain the knowledge of yourself. Establish yourself in the supreme being. Merge with the reality. Gain the ultimate experience. I am God. So these four statements we've just covered briefly state that there is only one God and you are God. Our mission in life as a human being is to understand and realize this. The world is only an illusion, no substance, created and caused by our own ignorance of the self. And this is our goal in life. Overcome this illusion by realizing the truth and become one with God. And the, this is the statements given out by these great souls, the sages, thousands of years. This is your purpose in life. This is how you get there. This is what you need to do, Dhanesh. Now we can either have faith and say, yes, I believe them. Or we can say, no, I don't believe them. That's free will, that's your choice. If you're looking for the purpose of life, I think they have a better idea than we do. Nikisha, what do you think? <laughs> Any questions? So this is, as you, as you see now, we get the topics become more short. The classes become we, have, we need one hour just to cover very small topics now because it's more depth, more subtle. And it continues in that theme to try and explain to you that you are not this personality, but you are Brahman. The next topic is I am God. Not I, not me, but all of you as well. Any questions? Yeah, Ravi. I think I said one of the things that you once you overcome it makes you, you know, gain the knowledge, research it, think of it more. Is to forget the life as in the lifespan at this stage. Just think of it as a continuation. It, it's like one of the things you know you you you've been brought up to work to deadlines, to work to timescales, and so forth. Um, as you said, to realize or be self-realized, you may not do it in this, you know, bracket lifetime. If you forget, you know, if you realize that, then you carry on. And as you said, it will come with you. The knowledge will come with you. But once you start limiting yourself and trying to chase something within this lifetime, when you don't even know when this lifetime or your vehicle's going to, you know, is your vehicle going to carry you till the end? So... Once you understand that, I think it makes it easier to carry on with the journey of the knowledge and gaining. This journey has started many lifetimes ago and will continue many lifetimes until you get to that goal. So don't uh, be result-oriented, think I must get there in this lifetime. Because everyone is in a different stage. We don't know where we are. 
but you know, as they say, if you walk the path, one day you'll get to your goals. At least you found the path. All you have to do is now walk on it. Focus and, and then just enjoy the journey. Yeah, the goal is guaranteed. Maybe. Yeah. The goal is guaranteed. You know when you'll reach there. Depends how fast you walk. But eventually you'll get there. Yeah. Enjoy the journey, as you said. Enjoy the journey. And when you walk the journey, walk on the path with this knowledge, it becomes a joy to live life. You're happy. You're content. There's less agitations. So you enjoy the journey, walk on the path, knowing I will get there one day. At least I found the path. Most people go through many lifetimes not even finding the path. That is walk the path. You don't need to run, just walk. And slowly, surely you'll get there. Any other questions? So rise above all your attachments. They're meaningless. It's not important. Don't let it pull you down. Keep one part of your mind focused on the higher. That's where the morning study comes in because when you do your morning study, it keeps that focus on that higher throughout the day. It's like a background. You know, I think it's background insulin. You know, insulin, people take background insulin. Keeps the pancreas in check. Similarly, you take this knowledge, it keeps your mind in check. If it tries to go into something it's not supposed to, the knowledge acts as give it, bring it back. So you, you, you need to take that as like medicine every day to keep you in check. 10 minutes, 20 minutes is fine. But allow yourself that um, opportunity. Okay, any other questions? Dipaben? Okay, good. So anyway, think about it, read it again, try to understand it, you know, whatever amount you get is fine. And we will uh, discuss I am God next week. Any questions? Please state book by Tuesday and we can have a group discussion on Wednesday if you feel you need to. Thank you for joining us today, all of you.